Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the episode two of the Down in Front podcast. And here we have our always Chris Catalano. Always for two episodes. And introducing our third co-host, who was not able to make it last episode, Matt Corhan. Hello, hello. Boo. So coming into today, we are filming this on Tuesday, November 16th. And breaking news as of recording, probably not when this is released, but Mets... All-star Noah Syndergaard is heading to LA on a one-year, twenty-one million dollar deal. He took three million more than what the Mets were offering him, which was eighteen million. So that means it looks like Jacob Degrom is the guy, the the one and only undisputed guy in the Mets. He's a man on an island at this point. Let's see if he can stay healthy first. Now I I think the Mets do re-sign Marcus Stroman, contrary to what. Matthew was saying before, I think the Mets re-signed Stroman, and it was rumored that they're going to get Justin Verlander. I mean, do they have any other choice but to sign um, Stroman at this point? Because if you look at it, what's the rotation otherwise? It's DeGrom, who, as much as I love him, has had injury concerns, not only last year, in past years. Carrasco. Um, then you have Pe- uh, Peterson, who has been inconsistent. But he's been okay for a fourth or fifth option. And then you have McGill, who has been like Peterson. Like, you don't have many options besides that. Mets rotation went from one of the strongest in baseball to one of the weakest. And uh, Taiwan Walker. Taiwan Walker, yes. But he was very incons- he was very inconsistent after the All-Star break. And the greatest closer to Don... The greatest closer to play in New York baseball history, Edwin Diaz. Do not forget him. I I agree with that. Edwin Diaz, who closed out the game against the Yankees that we went to. Yeah, I remember that. I remember. But Marcus Stroman, I mean, it feels like he's a must for the Mets right now. But, I mean, I could see other teams signing him. Like, I think Yankees are a contender. I think Angels, even with Syndergaard, they could sign Stroman. I mean, how much is Stroman really going to want? I mean... I don't think Stroman's – I mean, Stroman has to look at himself and be like, he's not the player that he used to be with not even Toronto. Close. It's not even close. He was the ace in Toronto, but that was also because Toronto didn't really have any pitching depth. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Stroman lands in that, like, $50 million? No, no, no. I would say less. Because if, so, if Syndergaard was going for 21 you got to think Stroman is probably, like – Fifteen, yeah, cause yeah, cause Stroman, Stroman accepted the qualifying offer last year, which was around seventeen point something million. I don't remember off the top of my head, but um, you would think that at this point the Mets would want to try and sign him for a longer term deal. But one thing you also have to realize is that uh, Marcus Stroman, when he got traded from the uh, Blue Jays to the Mets, reports from the Blue Jays club- clubhouse said he was very upset, very angry. Because he wanted to go to the Yankees. The Mets, he did not want to go to. And that could also be seen as a reason why he opted out during the COVID-2020 shortened season. Because he was just going to go hit free agency, but then the money wasn't there. And then he accepted the qualifying offer. So I think that Marcus Stroman is a curious case. I wonder if he's going to want to stay in the orange and blue for long term. Well, did you see... Uh, that he is healthy and heading back ne- and coming back to the Mets next season, starting at second base, Robbie Cano. 
He better start doing more PED so he's actually the, decent. A bi- the big return in the in the blue and orange. Robbie Cano starting at second base next season. Mets are making the playoffs. They, I, will, I will say that I don't, now. I really no, don't no. think so. I mean, I could see from my unbiased Yankees in mind, you want me to be as unbiased. unbiased as possible. I think the most wins the Mets could have is maybe around the 84-85 range. That's a little low for my opinion. You have to account for the Braves, who are the World Series champions, but they all losing their second best player, Freddie Freeman, possibly in I'm, free agency. We'll yeah. think next season, Alcuna is probably going to be back come next year. I mean, I think the Mets are going to finish in third again. I think the Braves, even losing their second best player, they are the World Series champs for a reason. They have that mindset. They want to go back to back. This hasn't happened since I don't even know when the last time the Braves won. I think it's like 19, yes, yeah, nineteen ninety five, and that was the last time the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. So imagine how far back that is. Mm. The Braves are going to be one. Phillies are going to be two. Mets are going to be three. That's a lot of faith you put into the Phillies, who ever since signing Bryce Harper have really just been a middle of the pack team. They don't have like outstanding pitching. I mean. They have a horrific The Phillies bullpen. were only a couple games away from making the playoffs. That's because the NL East was one of the worst divisions of all time. They were. I mean, you say that, but the Braves did end up winning. That's because if you go on a hot streak at the right time, like the 2015 Mets, you go on a hot streak and anything could happen. The Mets made it to the World Series, and as a Mets fan, they had no business being in the World Series that year. Daniel Murphy was the only reason they were in the World yeah. Series that year. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be tough for the Mets. I think the... In the East, overall, especially with the Mets, it was a little bit banged up. So I think that definitely played a part in why the Mets record was poor. But I think that in total, the NL East is going to be a lot better and going to perform a lot better. I could see the Braves having around 95 wins. Could see the Phillies and Mets having around maybe 85, to, yeah, around 85 wins. There's only going to be one playoff team from the NL East, and that's going to be the Braves. Well, no, think about it. So going into next year. You have um, Jacob DeGrom healthy starting next year. You have Lindor hopefully healthy. Javi Baez hopefully re-signed. That is the big three in New York right now. And mm-hmm. Chris Bryant is room- is rumored to be in contact with the Mets. So that could also be a piece. You, of- you add Chris Bryant. You add Justin Verlander for pitching depth. That's a playoff team. Okay, so let's be honest with Justin Verlander. Before he went to Houston, his career was on the downslope. He he was an older player, and that's what you expect. But when he went to Houston, who Houston was kind of seen is now kind of seen as where all these pitches, like a lot of the pitches, started using spite attack and stuff like that, and the sticky stuff to improve their pitching and their results. That's what happened with Garrett Cole. Is if you look at his advanced analytics, his spin rate, which is improved by spite attack and other sticky substances went up heavily when he went from the Pirates to the Astros. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Justin Verland magically got his pitching powers back when he went to the Astros. So would he be able to continue that when he goes to Mets, especially considering he missed this past season? I think Verlander would realistically be there as like a veteran president because this is a young Mets team. Very young. Very young. And experienced. Mm-hmm. You say that, I don't know how young you could really claim they are. Brendan Nimmo's getting close to 30. Jacob deGrom is in his mid-30s now. I mean, Carrasco's older. I mean, we're not necessarily a young team. 
we're kind of middle of the road. I think this is well, I'm talking guys like Alonzo and because Alonzo's still young. But you yes. gotta also, uh, congratulations to Pete Alonzo on getting married yesterday at the time of the recording. Oh, congrats! Congrats, uh-huh. but see. If you put your mindset in some of these big guys in the orange and blue uniform, like Alonzo, now how much longer do you want to be that guy for a team that's always going to perform bad? They performed bad and chilling. And they're in, I think, it's not the best division, but it's a tough division. Because also, what I've seen recently is Chris Taylor, the playoff hero, is planning to reject his qualifying offer from the Dodgers and his number one team to go to, as right now, is Philly. So let's say you bring Chris Taylor to Philly. You have the World Series champions. Sure, you got the Mets with their guy, DeGrom. But, I mean, realistically, do you really think the Mets are going to finish over Phillies if they get Chris Taylor and over the World Series champions? Now, last season, it was a fluke with the Braves. I mean, that was a weird season overall, but still proved it. Well, you think if if DeGrom was healthy last year, Mets win a few more games, they passed the Phillies. But do they pass the Braves? They it's, could get a wild card. They, and and they sneak into a wild card spot. And boom, Mets are in the playoffs. If DeGrom is healthy for those few games, for for that block that he missed, you say he wins a few of those games, Mets are in the wild card spot, and they're in the playoffs. I don't think they're in the wild card spot. I mean, over the Cardinals? But here's another thing that you can't count out, is that DeGrom is... These Mets wouldn't have these prolonged losing streaks like they did down the stretch with DeGrom on the mound. Because say they win a game one to nothing because DeGrom went out and was amazing, that could start to build momentum. They win two and three in a row instead of what happened where they lost like seven in a row. Mm-hmm. And especially if you have DeGrom back in like August mm-hmm. when they were top of the uh, when they were top of the division, you you have DeGrom there. He probably keeps the Mets afloat. They they somehow might even take that top spot in the division. Well, you also and take the Braves spot. I I don't think they come close to the Braves. They don't come close. I would agree that the Braves would end up taking the division, but um, right after the um, the um series that the Mets had against the Yankees in um, mid September, they immediately faced the Cardinals and they dropped two out of the three of those games. If the ground started one of those games, who knows what could have happened? You win one, maybe you, you win the next one, and then you have momentum going into a sweep, and that to. That's a six-game swing because the Mets gained three and the uh, Cardinals lose three. So anything was possible. But with DeGrom, the story the past couple seasons have not been his performance, but his ability to put on those performances and get on the field. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that improve this year because a lot of good players, I mean, declined their qualifying offer. I mean, Chris Taylor, Corey Seager, Correa, I mean, and the list goes on. I think a lot of teams are going to improve, and a lot of teams are going to do not necessarily tank, but do bad. Like the Nationals in their division, obviously, will tank. I mean, I don't, I I think the Mets kind of have an improvement now because they got rid of Luis Rojas. They're taking the uh, former Angels. But they just lost Syndergaard. No, they're taking the former Angels uh, general manager. Yeah. yeah, GM. I mean. I know you're a Yankee fan. Yeah, you have fun with Luis Rojas at third base, s- sending Judge when the ball is in is uh in center field and the guy's getting ready to throw. He's sending Judge to it's not home. Not that bad, not that bad of a third base coach. So I think there's definitely room for improvement. 
Send but, and judge at home like he did in the. Uh, do you have footage of him as a dead base coach that you know his talent as a dead base coach? Not on me. I could go off his tenure as the Mets manager and say that this guy is going to be an absolute idiot. I will say, being a manager in Major League Baseball is very tough, especially when it comes to things like managing a bullpen, which was what Luis Rojas was criticized very heavily for, because say you put in the right guy, but he's just having a bad day. It becomes you're the face of the issue. You're the face of why they lost that game. Like Being a manager is very tough. I do agree Luis Rojas was not a good manager, but you also have to realize he was a last-minute replacement for Carlos Beltran. Beltran. Mm-hmm. True. Very true. Very yeah. true. So maybe, but, all right. Maybe we steer away then from baseball and yeah, talk about so, football. So mo- moving on. Oh, I, I was. Oh. I had a very good transition. Oh, go ahead. Oh. You wanted to go into football. Speaking of New York teams in the blue and orange, the Islanders. See, uh-huh. I, I, I look at that. I, I know you like that. Wow. Um, I last episode. I will. I will take full responsibility for this. Last episode. I, we, when we touched on the Islanders, I told that I told the Islanders fans, do not panic. The Islanders don't have fans. You don't need to lie. Well, no. The Islanders definitely do have fans because I went to Devils Islanders on Thursday. Why would you do that to yourself? And it, it, well, Devils won 4 nothing, But there was like 90, it was 90% Islanders fans. So, mm-hmm. which, which is understandable because like that's the closest they've had to a home game. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think they play until... I think it's this Saturday, right, against Calgary? Yeah. And the, the first game at UBS. Those tickets are going for, like, 500 But anyway, Islanders also lost last night to Tampa. And you could tell that game they wanted to win. Because Islanders this season, I think they're going out with something to prove. Mm-hmm. You know, they signed the veteran presence like Zidane Ochara and Zach Parise. They, they know that they could make a Stanley Cup final. Especially with a weakened Tampa team who lost that entire second line and they still get beat up by Tampa, which I think shows that the Islanders will always be the like Tampa's little brother in a, in a sense. That they'll make it to a conference final, but there'll always be someone better than them to beat them. And I think this year, I think the Islanders do make a conference final this year. Really? But instead of Tampa, it's Carolina that, I don't... that ends up beating them. I don't think it's time to panic yet for the Islanders. I mean, it's very early, and they're on a three-game losing streak, right? And the last three games, I mean, I would say they've played all very good. Wild, I would say, this season, top three, top four team. They lost to the Devils, who are having a surprisingly good season so far. Devils are a dark horse. And they're nothing. It's a fluke. And then the Lightning, who are the Stanley Cup champions back-to-back. So I really, I mean, they wanted to win that game. But they've had a tough schedule their last three games, and I think they could pull off the upset tonight versus the Panthers. Well, no, I'm I'm not saying the Islanders technically aren't a bad team per se. Like, they, they, there's obviously talent there. You have obviously Matt Barzell, Paul Mary, the veterans, uh, Andy Green. Like, no, Brock, like Brock Nelson, Anders Lee. Well, and guys. Andy Green. Can you stop about Andy Green? Hey, you're a Devils fan. You should appreciate your former captain. I was not an Andy Green fan. He just reached a thousand games. How dare you? I saw. Well, him. congratulations to him, but I wasn't a fan of his play. He was but, your captain, excuse you. But anyway, I, the Islanders aren't a bad team per se. Like against the Devils, even though they got shut out, you know, you 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 went against Mackenzie Blackwood, who was having 
an insane bounce back season, especially coming off an injury. He's like um, two and two zero oh and no two one and one right now because he lost to. Well, no, because it was Bernier in, in the net, the net because the they subbed him out. Capocacco elbowed him in the head, driving to the net. Now's a clean but no, but you know Blackwood is having a hot start to the season. The Islanders ran into a hot goalie, put forty shots on him. Blackwood stopped all of them. Wild just outplayed them the whole time, and then Tampa. It was just, I think, Tampa was a lot calmer going into that game than the Islanders. The Islanders went out there, right off the draw. You have Chara squaring up with Pat Maroon. You know that obviously set the tone for the rest of the game. I think John Cooper, who's a great coach, took ta- took his team and he said, "Listen." you know, let these guys make the first move. You know, you back away. Let these guys make the first move. Like, make them, let them make a stupid play. And, you know, they capitalize it. And that's exactly what they did last night. And I think that also comes with uh, Tampa's championship pedigree that they gained over these past two years where they don't feel like they need to go out and have something to prove, like you said, the Islanders do, which I agree with. They just go out there, they handle their business, and Tampa hasn't been having the hottest start to the season either, but we talked about the Islanders last time and how they, uh, the past couple of years under Barry Trotz, they've always gone off to a slower start, and we and we discussed how long can this trend go on before it comes back and bites them and they can't make the playoffs, or they don't win, or they don't get a divisional spot, and they don't get home ice advantage. Yeah, it 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 is very early in the season still, but they're having a slow start and they are last in their division. Like Tampa, they started off slow, but now in their eight games, I believe they're six zero and two. So Tampa's picking it up. All these good teams are picking it up. They're all hot, and Islanders are still down. Yeah, again, I I do think it's way too early to hit a panic button for any team. Well, maybe Chicago or like Arizona. Arizona. Arizona, 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 the panic button after the first five games. Well, to be fair, Arizona at least is kind of like tanking. Chicago uh, traded for Seth Jones and signed him to an insane. I thought of money. Chicago was going to do a lot better. No, this season. they signed you. Signed Seth Jones. You trade for Mark Andre. You get you give nothing away for a Vesna winner, and he's playing like that. I mean, think about the Islanders and their poor record is their power plays. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're four. The special for, teams, yeah. That's you know, I was reading on. about it. They're four for thirty-one overall this season. And they let up against the Devils. They had a power play, and uh, they let up a shorthanded goal. Four for thirty-one. That yeah. is that has to be the worst in the league. It's it's really. You know, I, I think it's either Seattle or Vegas who has like the worst power play currently. Oh really? Which is strange because Vegas is usually very good on special teams. Vegas is usually top of the mark with like everything, and you know Vegas. Speaking of Vegas, good, nice transition. Uh, Jack Eichel, the in between our episodes, the Jack Eichel saga finally ended, and now Jack Eichel is a Golden Knight. Did you see the video of him getting welcomed? Yes. Into yeah, Vegas, him coming out of the car, and they had like the mask on. They were like banging the <laughs> drums. Yeah. That, that must be sick. I, I feel you could already tell that he loves it there. Yeah, but also something interesting is that the main falling out that Jack Eichel had with. Um, the uh, Buffalo Sabres organization, is that they wouldn't let him get a specific surgery, I think, on one of the discs in his back. And he said that if they would have let him get the surgery, he would have stayed with Buffalo. And I think that's a big problem, not only with the Sabres, but I think with the NHL as a whole. Um, they don't really let the players get the kind of surgeries that they want. They, yeah. The teams kind of have this mentality that they have ownership over their 
the players and you know their choices that they make for surgeries and stuff. That which, which I I think is very detrimental because obviously you had this thing with Jack Eichel where the Sabres said no we're not no you can't get the surgery, and Eichel said you know what, I'm leaving then I'm out of here. And I also looked up the doctor that Eichel is getting his surgery from. The doctor in Colorado, he has like a three out of five rating. Really? So yeah. So I I think we got to see how this surgery plays out because I think this is going to be very exciting. Yeah. It definitely is. Definitely is. Because I honestly, with the timeline that I'm looking at right now, you have Eichel get the surgery, give him a like six to eight weeks, uh, PT comes back on the ice he's probably back by like give or take march around april towards the end of the season at least probably around i would say early april yeah april and then you know then he's ready for playoff time yeah i'm seeing it now that he um has had the surgery and vegas did say that is it went successful it went successfully yes and now jack eichel the second biggest star in Vegas, next to Zachary White Crap, White Cloud, and his big contract. White crap. The the problem is you. I'm glad you talked about Zach White Cloud's contract because you you have Eichel on that huge deal that he signed with Buffalo a few years back. You, Vegas is very strapped when it comes to cap money, and I saw someone write this on Twitter. I forgot who it was, and they said Vegas is going to pull a Kucherov with Eichel, and they're gonna have him sit out until game one, round one of the playoffs, so they don't have to worry about cap space if Eichel, if Eichel is ready come, like, late March when it's towards the end of the regular season. They're just going to say, you know what, just sit out, and then, you know, you'll play your first game as a night. I don't in, think that's uh, the best the idea. Got to gotta practice a little in the regular it, season. Well, no, I mean, I mean, obviously he'll probably practice with the team and stuff, but I don't think they're going to play But I mean him. actual games. It, and it won't um, – it's hard to build chemistry because Kucherov was already like a fixture in that Tampa team. Jack Jack Eichel was very new, and also just uh, just I want to say to um, our specific viewers who are Tampa Bay fans that they were eighteen million dollars over the cap, and they did cheat the NHL out of a Stanley Cup. I I I will not comment on that issue, but no, I think again, obviously. I feel I feel like we're just treading back on old stuff we talked about last episode. Like we had a whole segment talking about the salary cap and the whole issue about that. But no, uh, obviously Eichel is gonna have to play some regular season games with Vegas if they want to build a chemistry because he's probably gonna be on that first line with like uh, probably Stone and um, uh, I. Who would be the oh Pat Reddy? Yes. First or Dadanov. No, he'll probably be playing first line center with Stone and Pacioretty on his wing. And you'll want him to build chemistry with those two guys because that's probably going to be your first line center rolling forward, at, le- at least for the next four years that he has his contract for. Yeah. But, yeah, the um, Vegas situation is very, very interesting because when Eichel comes back, they are very, very heavy favorites. And like I said in our last episode, I think Vegas – Oftentimes, since they lost in the Stanley Cup Final in 2017, um, or 2018, excuse me, um, they have just been making like extreme, like extreme kind of rash and rushed moves to try and get back there and try and win a Stanley Cup because they, 
they're making very rash moves and sacrificing their future. But I think that this Jack Eichel move, they didn't give up too much. And at the same time, the Jack Eichel's young. He's helping their future. He was drafted 2015. Because, yeah, like you said, Vegas kind of – Vegas knows that they should at least have two Stanley Cup final appearances. I think last year was a complete fluke, and they ran into a red-hot Montreal team. Some could say three because um, the, when they lost to the um, Sharks in the second round that one year – Oh when yeah, they when they had the I think major. last season though was definitely a fluke. Last season Vegas. was definitely a fluke. I, and you could you could see in the standings, and people called me stupid when I said Montreal's missing the playoffs. Just wait. You send Cole Caulfield down. Cole Caulfield is not ready for the NHL. I'm sorry to everyone. Cole Caulfield is not NHL ready. Yeah. I I like him in the AHL. I think it's gonna work for him in the long run. You know, he'll get some experience, he'll get some quality ice time up down there. And then you know what? Keep him down there for the rest of the year. Because yeah. it's not like Montreal needs him right now. No. Montreal is probably not looking for a playoff run. Tank bring, bring him up next year and, you know, have, have Cole Caulfield play next year. Yeah, and you could get a high draft pick this year for one of the um, top-ranked prospect this year. Shane Wright is very um, – he has stunning reviews from um, scouts all over the league, all over the world. Um and many teams are trying to tank, like Arizona, to try and get him. And I've seen many uh, Montreal Canadiens fans online saying, give up on the season and let's try and tank so we have a chance to get Shane Wright. You've seen Montreal Canadiens fans? Online. Because oh. <laughs> when I watch those games, the place looks like a desert. Which is surprising. Even uh, Montreal is very passionate about hockey. Even if they're losing, you would expect um, a lot of people there. Well, then you also have to think about Canada's COVID restrictions are much, much different from those that we have down here in the yeah. U.S. But Yeah, so I think that I agree with you. I thought Montreal was going to miss the playoffs this year because that's kind of been a trend with the past um, Stanley Cup Finals uh, losing teams. Uh, Montreal made the playoffs, most likely going to miss the playoffs. Dallas the year before. Made the finals, most likely gonna miss the playoffs. It'll miss the playoffs the year after. Um, no, Boston made the playoffs. Well, Boston did, but um, St. Louis, St. Louis lost in the first round, I believe, the year after they won. Mm-hmm. So I'm like this trend. But, well, uh, St. Louis won actually. Excuse me, but my point is that I feel like Montreal is gonna be a very sim- similar trajectory to what Dallas had last year. I w- I wanna. I want to go on to the, our next topic. One Easily my favorite player right now watching, and probably a lot of people's listening to this, Connor McDavid, 600th point last night. It took him about 400 games to reach 600 points. 421, I believe. 421. Sixth and fastest player. Sixth fastest player. I think it's, Crazy. I think it's like, what, Gretzky, Lemieux, Yari Curry is up there. It's uh, Peter Stashny, Stray. Dasney, Curry. Curry was five. Crosby wasn't up there. Crosby wasn't Was it Yager? No, it was um, Mike yeah, Bossy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mike Bossy. But this guy is just absolutely insane. And and his team is off to a hot start, too. And I think that was the complaint for a long time with McDavid, is that he doesn't have a team around him. You go out and get Duncan Keith. And people have complained about Duncan Keith. I think he's fine for the role that he's filling. Yes, on that Edmonton defense when they need depth. 
Duncan Keith is perfectly serviceable for there, especially if you're a team that's trying to make a cup run, which I think I think this is the year Edmonton goes all in and tries to go for a cup run. You have Miko Koskinen playing out of his mind. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, who are... It, go watch an Edmonton Oilers game. It it literally looks like they're playing on NHL 22 rookie mode. Yeah. It's like NHL 22 be a pro rookie mode when you're putting up nine goals, five assists a game, and the coach is still yelling at you because you turned the puck over with 10 seconds left. That's a true story. But You speak from experience. But I, no. I think Oilers can definitely make a run for Oilers it all the way. Oilers can definitely make some noise in the playoffs. They I don't think I, when it, What it comes down to is if they can make a cup final. That's the only problem. Because yeah. you have teams with a lot more playoff experience, like a Vegas, that could you know, bounce them out in a second round. Or even Colorado. If they do make it to a conference final and they end up versus someone like Colorado, who, who has a lot of playoff experience. You say Colorado has a lot of playoff experience. I mean, this kind of core that they have of McKinnon... Landeskog, Granton, and they haven't made it past the second round. It's like the Capitals a couple years ago. Yeah, but still, people said Ovechkin was had playoff experience, even though he didn't make it past the second round until 2018. They still said Ovechkin had playoff experience. Wayne Gretzky said that there is three seasons in hockey. The regular season, the um, postseason, and the Stanley Cup Finals. And I think that's a very big deal is and I think there's a very big difference between the second round and the Western Conference Finals so I think that it's going to be a lot of pressure on Conor McDavid on um sorry also Conor McDavid and the Oilers if they get there but also the Colorado Avalanche because they're not used to playing in that type of stage with that type of intensity my my only uh concern when it comes to the Oilers is in the playoffs and John Tortorella touched on this, I think, a few days ago. He said, you can't just ex- expect to outscore everyone. And I think that's true. When it comes to the playoffs, you you got to go out there and play hard defense. you got to block some shots. I don't see McDavid blocking any shots. I mean... Obviously, yeah. Yeah, McDavid could fly down the ice and put in, you know, 10 goals a game. But McDavid is McDavid. Yep, that's not his game. Everyone has a separate role to play. That's why they signed a guy like Zach Hyman in the offseason. Mm. A little bit of a too-big contract, in my opinion, but they signed Zach Hyman to fill that role. That's the role Zach Hyman filled in Toronto. I mean, McDavid's one of the best offensive players I've ever seen. I, I think I think McDavid's the best offensive player of easily like the past 20, 30 years. Yeah, I would but, say w- so. But what I'm saying is what it comes down to, come playoff time, you need all five guys on the ice willing to go in front and block a shot. You you can't expect, like, if you have McDavid waiting at the blue line for a breakout pass and you have a wide-open guy in the zone taking a wide-open one-timer, that's not going to work. It, that's not gonna, it, it could work in the regular season, and it is working right now, but that's not going to work come April when you need all guys, you know, forecheck, backcheck, 100% effort. Yeah. And I completely agree with you, and that, and I feel like that's what the Oilers need, and I feel like that's to some extent also what Colorado needs to get over that hump. They need a more gritty, more physical guy, kind of like what every single NHL team wants to do. And with that, we are going to break for commercial and stay with us, and we will be right back. Have you ever wanted to start your own podcast but didn't know how? 
The Boat Productions at St. John's University campus of Staten Island can help you create your very own podcast. The Communications Lab on campus is equipped with professional audio equipment that allow you to record high-quality content. Our existing members will show you the ropes when it comes to recording, editing, and uploading. If you want to express your creativity in the form of a podcast, The Bolt is the place for you. For more information, please visit our Instagram at thebolt.sju. Welcome back to Down in Front. We're going to steer away from hockey coming off the break, and we're going to talk about the more exciting sport, football, and, of course, the New York football giants. So, Matt, you were telling me and Nick um, before we came in here to record um, a hot take about the Giants. I do have a hot take. Okay, let's let's say it. I think they have a great shot at making playoffs. I think think the Giants missed. I'm a Giants fan. I think the Giants missed the playoffs because – your main competition right now is Dallas. Dallas has the Saints, who I think they beat. You have Washington twice, well, who they beat. I'm rooting for Dallas because we're not getting the division. We need them to beat the team. We, If they beat the Saints, Washington, that helps us. Like, I'm looking at the Giants' schedule right now, and honestly, it's a very easy, winnable schedule. A Giants fan rooting for the Cowboys. Yeah, because it helps our playoff chances. I have a feeling a lot of Giants fans are going to be angry. Angry, they with will you, be. But, but I gotta let let me name you the rest of the games on the schedule, okay? Okay. You tell me if you think they're going to be a winner or loss. I'm I'll, biased. I'll hear you out. I'm a Jets fan, so I'm just living sadness okay. and unbiased. So being unbiased here, next game Monday Night Football versus the Bucks. I think they that's lose a loss. That. Okay, I think they lose it in a very close game. After that, at home versus Philly, that's a win. That's a toss up. That's a win. Next. At Miami, that's a win. Toss-up. Miami beat the Ravens on Thursday Night Football. It's a fluke. Those night games are always so unpredictable. What is that? I think we win Miami. Okay. Brings a record of 5-7. and seven. Next up, versus Chargers. Loss. I think it's a very tough game, but I think we lose. After that, at home versus Dallas, I think we pull off the upset. Uh, now I have to favor Dallas. I think we pull off the upset. That brings our record to 6-8. and eight. Next three games, versus Philly, versus Chicago, versus Washington. I think we went out and we finished 9-8. and eight. But is 9-8 and eight enough to secure a wild card? I would 100% spot? say thing. so. Those final three games, because it's the Giants and they are, they have proven themselves to be inconsistent, I think they lose one of those final three games. Really? I and don't. And if I had to guess... Versus Philly? Yeah, it would be Philly. I mean, even if so, that brings a record to 8-9, and nine, and I honestly think we have a shot because right now, looking at it, number seven seed is Carolina, which is 5-5, five and five, and New Orleans at 6, who's 5-4. and four. The Giants have the tiebreaker on both Carolina and New Orleans, which is huge. At number 8 is Atlanta, which we don't have the tiebreaker on. But two of the three wildcard teams we have the tiebreaker on, which is huge. I mean, yeah, even, yeah, I mean, by that logic, I can agree that there's a shot. I don't think it's going to happen. Because don't get fooled by the Giants' play the previous two games that they had. Um, and even when they lost against the Chiefs. Um, they're not a very consistently good team. They are very on and off. They don't play complete games always, and by that I mean they don't. They either don't play 
to their best of their abilities through all four quarters, mm. or they don't play good on both sides of the ball. And penalties have been a huge penalties issue. have been a huge thing. But what I actually found out is over the last three games, the Giants have had the best defense in the NFL, only letting teams average thirteen point four points a game. I mean, yes, but like, I understand that that is impressive. But you have to realize that one of those games was against the Chiefs, who, until this past week, their offense has seemed very anemic and have not seemed like the Chiefs for most of the season. And I'm still not convinced that the old Chiefs are back. So I think the old Chiefs are back. I don't think the Chiefs are back. Mahomes just had five touchdowns and over five 400 yards. It's one game. It is, but they're on a 3-4 game win streak. The Chiefs need to do need to play like that at least next week and the week after for me to f- be fully convinced that this team is legit and could make another Super Bowl run. Not I don't know if they'll make a Super Bowl run. I was going to say, not even a Super Bowl run. Like The fact that they m- might not make the playoffs is a big issue because the AFC is a very, very strong um, it conference. Is. But right now, with that win yesterday, they actually, I'm pretty sure they're tied for number one with the Raiders. In their division. Uh, yes, but you have to realize um, the Raiders in that division, the Chargers also in that division, who can make some noise. They are. They are. I mean, can't cannot Denver either. I mean, they're 5-5, five and five, but they started out 3-0 and oh for a reason. I mean, I mean, Denver, I think it was last week or the week before, had that big game against Dallas. The week before, yeah. And then they got killed by Philly. But no, I'm, I'm saying Denver yeah. has shown flashes of they what have. they can be. And... I think uh, the Rams, even though the Rams did get blown out last night, uh, you have Von Miller now. Yes. You have Odell Beckham Jr. You wait until next week, until those guys are fully set, because that was a little bit of a rushed, like... It was. Like, next was week is their bye week, and coming off a two-game losing streak, it's coming at the yeah. best time possible. Wait until next game. You know, you, they have the bye week, they regroup. You have Odell and Vaughn practice with the team, build a little bit of chemistry over the week. Then you then you go play next game. I mean, Rams could be possibly legit. They could be, but I, I, I really don't know. The Rams are currently my Super Bowl favorites. I honestly think the Super Bowl will end up being the Rams, and in the AFC, I really think it's going to be Buffalo. Personally, I feel like... This could be a hot take, but I really, really think we have a great chance at seeing Tampa versus New England in the Super Bowl. New England started one and four; they're six and four now. I'm not. I, Mac I'm not, Jones is playing like the best rookie quarterback I've seen since. Mac Jones Mahomes. is playing very good. I will say, Mac Jones, I think, was overly hated coming into the draft just because he wasn't Tom Brady. Just because, no, not even that. Well, I'm, I'm talking. About, I'm talking about when he got drafted by New England. Uh, yeah, but even before when he got drafted by New England, there was always excuses of, oh, he's not really as athletic as all the other quarterbacks that went before him. Oh, he was on Al, the one of the Alabama team that was considered one of the greatest college football teams of all time just because of their talent. I mean, but I think Mac Jones is very skillful. But no matter if you have Bill Belichick, no matter what coach you could have. You have Don Shula. It's very, very difficult to take a rookie quarterback and not only help him get him to win a playoff game, to get him to make it to the Super Bowl. It is, but if anyone can do it, it's definitely Belichick. But the thing is, 
you let's say let's say New England does make the playoffs. You head to the playoffs. You run into a team like Tennessee. I think Tennessee kills them in the in come playoff time. Really depends yeah. if Derrick Henry I, is still health is. I mean, even without Derrick Henry, though Tennessee, I'd say the past three, four, even five weeks they've been the best team in the NFL. Who the Patriots? No, Tennessee. Oh, t- yeah, Tennessee. Tennessee has been on fire, and I'm saying because again, it comes down to experience. Uh, this is a very young Patriots team. This is the, this is a completely new look Patriots. Very young team, no experience whatsoever. I think this is going to be a great learning block for Matt, for someone like Matt Jones and the Patriots. I don't, I don't think they make a Super Bowl like you just Do said. Do you think they make the playoffs? I think, I think they could make the playoffs. There's a very good chance they could make. I the believe playoffs. right now they're the number five seed. There is a very solid chance that New England makes the playoffs, but I think come playoff time, and you run into a team like Tennessee, like Buffalo. Who has experience? I think Josh Allen. You run into a team like the like Buffalo with Josh Allen, he could beat them. A, a team like Tennessee, Derrick Henry, he could run through that. That defensive backfield is very weak. That's a big question mark heading into the playoffs, and especially this final half of the season. That defensive backfield is yeah. very weak. Well, I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know what to think. I mean, Patriots still got Belichick, best head coach in history. Again, I, I'm not. I'm not disproving that Belichick is one is probably the is definitely the greatest coach out the NFL has seen. But the, a coach can only take a team so far. Yes, I think Mac Jones, Mac Jones rookie year will be very similar to what Ben Roethlisberger's rookie year was, where the Steelers made the playoffs. But they ultimately um, didn't do much in the playoffs because he was still a very young quarterback at the time, a rookie quarterback. But the next season, Ben Roethlisberger took the Pittsburgh Steelers to the Super Bowl, where they won. And I think that um, with the Patriots this offseason, they could now build around a quarterback, a new younger quarterback that they have faith in, in Mac Jones. And I would not be surprised if next year they could make a run to the Super Bowl. And Speaking of Mac Jones, the, uh, they played that, I think it was the, what, the Sunday night game a few weeks back against the Buccaneers. That was Tom Brady's, like, big return. Yes. I expected Tampa to walk in there and just stomp all over them. And they did But, again, I think that was, like, I haven't really caught a lot of Patriots games just because of the time that I work. It's like I'm dead in the afternoon on Sunday, so I really don't, I really don't watch a lot of football now. As much, I, I'll, like, catch the night games and, like, the Monday night games. But I watched that Tampa-New England game a few weeks back, and Mac Jones surprised me. Because I heard a lot of people talking about him, and I was like, this guy, like, he really can't be that good, right? And I watched him. I watched him go through that Tampa defense. He made that Tampa defense look stupid. Yeah. And Mac Jones is a very good quarterback. I think very well he could win Rookie of the Year. Definitely. Yes, I think he's him and Jamar Chase are the two favorites. I think favorites. I'd still give it the little edge to Jamar Chase. I think he'll definitely ends. be in that top three. Top two, yeah. But one know. thing you have to realize about Rookie of the Year: not only are quarterbacks more favored in terms of getting awards, um, if Mac Jones can guide the Patriots to a playoff spot, then they'll be then. 
then he'll be in very much favorite contention for the um, Rookie of the Year compared to um, Jamar Chase, who is a wide receiver on a team, the Bengals, which seem like a fluke. Yeah. So, all right, AFC and NFC, who are your top three Super Bowl contenders for both conferences? Start with 3-2-1, AFC, NFC. AFC? Let's see. I mean, I, I, I think I'm counting out Kansas City. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. I don't think Kansas City makes a Super Bowl. Uh, Tennessee has shown that they're inconsistent come playoff time. Yeah. Me, I, I think Buffalo makes a Super Bowl this year. I, yeah. I don't think so. It's Buffalo's conference to lose. They don't have much else. I, I say New England takes a division. That that could be, that could be a possibility. Or even I I think Baltimore is a favorite is a heavy favorite in that AFC, especially with Lamar Jackson carrying a very injury ridden Ravens team. But the Ravens have been inconsistent. They lost to Dolphins on Thursday Night Football this past week. The Dolphins are not a good team. The Dolphins are falling short of they their have, expectations. But out of actually every single night game this season, um, if we're talking about odds and betting odds and all that stuff, the underdog has actually covered 14 of the last 18 night games. I mean, you look at everything, the Niners one. Uh, Dolphins one. Those night games are always so unpredictable. Those night games are always close, or the underdog always wins. So I'm not really going to hold them on there. Yeah, but um, Ravens have to be a favorite just because, just because like they like they have playoff experience, because um, Lamar Jackson has been to the playoffs in all of his years, and I really think that. I think it's really the Bills' division to lose. The Patriots and the Chargers could be up there. And then in terms of the NFC, you have the Cowboys, who are contenders. The, of course, the Cardinals and Rams are always contenders. And Buccaneers and Packers, they're all contenders. The NFC, I feel like, is more top-heavy than the AFC. But I think that the story really comes down to those few groups of teams of who actually has a shot to make a deep run. I'm going to say... So we start off with NFC. I'm going to say the top three contenders. Well, number three, I got to give it to New England. I'm really high on New England. I think they're good. I think they're ready. Number two, I'm going to give it to Buffalo, barely. Um, Number one, I'm going to give it to Tennessee. Baltimore comes in at really, really close for me to New England, but I have to see something else. You know, that's a really close division. I don't even know if they're going to win the division. Yeah, that that division is so close. And then for the NFC, it's really, really hard. You know, really clo- close, really top-heavy. The top teams are definitely performing. But I'm going to say number three, you got to get Tampa in there. Number two, I'm going to say Arizona. And one, I got to say Green Bay. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same exact thing for the NFC. I I think Green Bay... I think Green Bay makes a Super Bowl. This is Aaron Rodgers' prob- last year. Yeah, last, last dance as a Packer. He wants to go out with a bang. He's been playing very good since his uh, since those first three weeks. So I think, I yeah, I, I think Green Bay is a heavy favorite in that NFC to make the Super Bowl. And with that, 
let's move on with the rest of our time to talk about uh, basketball in New York, specifically the Knicks, because the Knicks are kind of a on-and-off team so far this season. Yeah. They've had some good performances, and they've had some performances that have that have seen them get outworked, specifically in rebounds, which is very concerning because defense and rebounding was the strength of this team last yeah. year. New York, we started off, I believe, 5-1, and one, and since then we're now 8-6. and six. Yeah. Barely beating teams, struggling to beat the worst of the worst. We barely beat the Pacers last night, who are one of the worst teams. I mean, I don't know what to think, really. I don't know. I feel like last season was a little bit of a fluke, but I think we can bounce back, and uh, I don't know. I I think the Knicks can definitely make the playoffs. I the East is a lot. I don't want to say weaker, but I think the the big dogs from last year have kind of regressed. Like the Bucks, the Bucks really haven't lost anyone big, but you, like, like you look at the standings, they're kind of low. Standings are wild. Things are wild, and again, it is way too early to say if the team is in or out. But I do think the Knicks can jump into possibly a a four spot. I think they can. It's very early in the season. I mean. The one, number one in East is the Wizards. Is Washington. But Washington is, is playing very good they so are. far. They're the, playing above their, their skill level. In my Washington team. is playing above what everyone has been saying. What's their record right now? Like 10-3. and three. Yeah. Second best record overall. Kyle Kuzma bounce back season. John Wall may have been the problem. They got rid of him. Yeah. Maybe. I, I, I don't know. They're just playing. They're a young team. Yeah, they have a good leader in Bradley Beal. I I always thought Bradley Beal was the best player on that team, even with John Wall playing in his prime. I always thought Beal was better. John Wall's problem was that he was always injured, and John Wall was always one of my favorite players, but he was always injured. That was his main problem. No one doubted his skill level. It's just injuries caught up with him. I mean, the best skill a player could have is availability. John Wall never had that. And now he's struggling to find a spot on the Houston roster, who are one and thirteen and have the worst record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I certainly um, think that Washington is going to come back down to earth. Um, Washington's going to come back down to earth, and I think that a lot of things are going to even out in this league. Mm-hmm. And even the even the Nets had a very slow yes. start, and they kind of they picked, picked it, up. it up. They're I think. I don't know their exact record, but I think they have about nine or ten wins. But again, there's they have the same problem as the Knicks. They're struggling to beat bad teams. That game against the Pelicans, they were tied with them headed in, like headed into the final minutes of the fourth or the fourth quarter with the Pelicans, one and eleven. They were tied with the Nets. Like you have a team, even with even without Kyrie Irving, you still have two of the top five players in the NBA: James Harden and Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, who is Definitely the best player in the in the NBA I would say so. right now. I'm gonna say Harden kind of fell off a little. I don't know. Harden if he's did top fall five. off a little, but Harden I think is definitely in that top ten. Even if you're not gonna say he's top five, he's definitely I think he's top ten. Barely in the top ten. Yeah, barely. Like lower half top about 10. nine or ten. But still, it, it's not even that. You are tied with the Pelicans, who have one win. No, the two. Pelicans. Now two, but still. You should be blowing out teams like that. You shouldn't be struggling down the wire. Yeah, Brooklyn and New York, they're definitely struggling. But probably, for me, I'm going to say the craziest thing is the Lakers. Lakers. Eight and seven. Yeah. Even without LeBron, because he's been hurt. Eight and seven. I, 
I think the Lakers missed the playoffs. You got swept last year by Phoenix. I think they I think Lakers missed the playoffs. Because the Warriors are having a bounce back year now. Warriors are insane. They Warriors have, are absolutely Curry's insane. looking like the MVP. I think it's too early to say Curry's a favorite for MVP. But he is definitely playing like his MVP self from a few years yeah. back. For sure. Even Charlotte, I think, can sneak into a playoff spot in the East. Definitely. LaMelo's looking like, I'm going to say, the best point guard in the East mm-hmm. so far. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. LaMelo's doing great. LaMelo, coming off that rookie of the year, they're such a fun team to watch. Though. They are a fun team. LaMelo's an exciting player. Mm-hmm. LaMelo's definitely going to be a very exciting player for years to come, especially if he stays with Charlotte, which is a young team. Looking mm-hmm. to get their feet wet in the playoffs, I think they do it. I think they slide into maybe a six to eight spot. I could see that. You know, speak- I, I I think it's way too early for them to make some noise in the playoffs, but I think just to get in there, yeah, get some experience under their belt. I think it'll be great. But I also think that you have to be careful, Charlotte, because think about a couple years ago, ten years ago, it was the same exact story with Kemba Walker on Charlotte. He. Oh, he's a young point guard. He's a very entertaining, exciting team to watch because Kemba Walker is there. Uh, they never built anything around Kemba Walker, and then Kemba Walker no, became injury prone. So, and we're putting our faith in Michael Jordan to build a team around um, Ball. But I think that if you look at Michael Jordan's history since uh, when he ran the Wizards, when he since he's bought Charlotte and started running Charlotte. I think that he has a very negative track record when it, t- when it comes to being a man in the front office. So I don't have faith that he could build a team. You know, I, I think Jordan now is going to learn from his mistakes with Kemba Walker and is going to say, okay, we need to surround this guy with some talent. Yeah. You know, speaking of an exciting player and a ball brother, Lonzo is, I'm going to say, on the most exciting team I've seen in a while mm-hmm. in the NBA. Chicago. Chicago is the making noise. The East is noise. such a fun conference right now. It is. Fun Chi- and young. Chicago's tied for the n- number one spot. I mean, mm-hmm. they have been crazy. Chica- uh, yeah, you got uh, Lonzo, Lonzo. DeRozan, Levine, Vucevic. I mean, DeRozan's averaging, Al- I think. Alex Caruso. <laughs> like, no, but I'm serious. Yeah, That's I know. such a fun team to it watch. It is a very fun team. I it's, mean, it, I don't want to like, this is going to sound stupid, but it's giving me flashes of like that 2018 Brooklyn Nets team with uh, D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. yeah. That because that team was very fun. I think Chicago is definitely not a fluke. I think they can definitely make Chicago, some noise. Chicago, Chicago is definitely going to take like a top five spot in the East. I could. I'll. I. I'll even say top three. I think they're really good. I didn't think. I think before the season, I thought it was a little too much talent. Some teams that happens to that's a problem. But they've all done great. But no, East is West is also very talented to watch too. Warriors, Phoenix, insane. yeah, Phoenix. You know, Phoenix wants to get back into that They're final 10 and spot. 30. Phoenix is playing with something to prove. Warriors, everyone's healthy. Clay's play. Clay's gonna be back. Clay will be back by Christmas. I'm pretty sure they. Clay's gonna be back in a few weeks. That team is gonna be insane once he comes back. Yeah, it I, is. I, I'd be wary of Clay Thompson coming back because. For the past couple years that he's been injured, it's like, oh, he's going to come back, and then he gets injured almost immediately. I think we're heading towards the territory of where Clay Thompson is going to be considered a very good player whose career was cut short and not as great as it could have been just because 
injuries took a lot of yeah, time away from him. For sure. I mean, two straight years, back-to-back torn ACLs. Mm-hmm. He's been out two and a half years. Yeah. That's going to do something to you. And I, I remember two years ago, I think after they missed the playoffs, people were saying, rebuild the team. Trade. They, I, I heard people saying trade Curry. Yeah. You're going to trade Steph Curry? That, is, that that one down year, they, I'm, I guess they definitely yeah. rebuild it. They have James Wiseman now, uh-huh. who's, I'm going to say, top 10, top well, no, 15 coming center. Coming off of that, it was what? I think it was 2020. Yeah, what, cause pretty sure 2020. Yeah, because it was coming off that uh, Toronto series. Mm-hmm. And people were saying, I think it's they. people were saying, it's time for the Warriors to rebuild. I think they're done. But you know what? The Warriors are back. They look good. They're they back, look better than better ever. Better than ever. But yeah, de- definitely very exciting heading forward in the NBA. Yeah. A lot of youth, a lot of new blood, a lot of new excitement, a lot of new teams in contention. Um uh but I really think that the NBA is going to be very exciting. So yeah, uh that will do it. Thank you everyone for joining another episode of Down in Front. Um if you want to hear more of our sports opinions, you can find us on the Bolt Bulletin. And that is on Instagram at thebolt.sju. I got that right this time because last time I said it <laughs> wrong. And, uh, Chris, where can we find you on Instagram? Um, you can find me at chriscarolino318. Matt? Matt.corhan on Instagram. And you can find me on Instagram at Nicholas Gofis. And yep. shout out to our producers, Liz and Courtney. Yes, they took the time out of their day. This is actually not our usual recording day. We usually record on no. Thursdays. This is Tuesday. So thank you guys for making the trip out here to the studio at the beautiful St. John's Town on <laughs> campus. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of Down in Front. Thank you all for listening. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you in the next episode. Signing off.